0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. This is Ben Billups coming to you with an apology. Um, last week, we did not publish a podcast. Last Friday, there was no podcast. If you're looking for it, it wasn't there, and it's my fault. In the midst of our cabinet trip, coming back from the holidays, and then last week, we had our base camp event. Um, it just did not have time to get a podcast together, and I didn't have the heart to throw something on Michael with you know six-hour notice or something crazy like that. So last week, we didn't have a podcast. We're back on the horse this week, and we're coming back strong with content. So if you were missing something, um, we're planning on coming back and being consistent again, just like we have been every week um, since we started this podcast. So my apologies for that, and, um, and we're back. Now, this week is also a special edition of the podcast because most of this podcast will be a lecture that Jonathan Brush, our CEO, our present CEO, who many of you know personally, gave at Basecamp. Um, we had three days at base camp. The first day was all about tasks. The second day was all about mastering time. And then the last day was about relationships. And this is the lecture that Jonathan gave on the last day. So this is really summing up a lot of the core concepts, really talking about at a high level about um, view relationships, how to approach them and how to steward the relationships that God has put in our lives. So ultimately, we could talk about how to master life skills, but when you're talking about how do you master time and tasks, you have to keep in mind that we do tasks and we try to do them on time for other people. Everything that we're doing, especially as Christians, are things that we're doing in service to others and in love towards others as we seek to reflect Christ. So there's a lot of great reminders of that in this lecture, a lot of great perspective, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, also, um, part of my excuse for not having a podcast last week is that we were preparing for the relaunch of Navigate. We ran a very successful pilot in the fall. Students loved it. And we are just reopening re- registration. It's only open until March 14th. So you have a couple weeks to decide. But if you want to know more, you can go to bnbound.us slash navigate. And when you go to that page, you can actually sign up for a free four-part video series that is all about decision making. It includes content from Navigate. It's obviously not the entire course, but it includes a lot of free content. So definitely go to binbound.us navigate to learn more about that. And before we get into the lecture today, we're actually going to roll a quick advertisement where you can hear from some of the students that took Navigate in the fall and hear about their experience. Um, If this is something that's interesting to you or something that is you think might be helpful to somebody you know, a sibling or a friend, um, then you definitely wanna listen to this and go to beunbound.us slash
1: navigate to learn more. So in 25 years of working with young people, I noticed that young people were really stressed out and becoming more and more stressed out And that was because they felt like they had to make these big decisions and they really didn't know how to make them, uh, but they felt like the implications were really huge. So we developed Navigate to help students learn how to make good decisions. And the process helped them be a lot less stressed out about where they're going in life.
0: Navigate was phenomenal. I told my mom after I got done, my siblings need to take this course. No, everyone needs to take this course. I loved Navigate. I loved the way that it was set up where I could talk to other students as we were learning. I found that the decision-making framework has been one of the most useful things I've learned out of all the courses I've taken so far. I kind of went into it trying to understand if I wanted to go to college or not or you know what I wanted to do with my life. It gave me a really good foundation for um, just making decisions. One of the things I really appreciated was just the relatability of the speakers and how open they were to questions and just
1: being real. Navigate has been especially designed for young adults in a period of transition. So especially as students approach the late teens, the early 20s, Navigate is a perfect choice to help them gain a sense of confidence and a very practical, actionable plan for moving through those years with a sense of excitement. How do I determine God's will for my life? I want to be faithful with what I have. I want to steward that will. Navigate will help those students to ask the questions that will lead them to making good decisions about figuring that out. People ask you, what do you want to do? Oh well, I don't know. I'm 18.
0: I don't have a clue what I want to do. Navigate helps you figure out where you can bring the most value to the world. I really liked how it had um, principles rather than just a set formula. I really appreciated their emphasis on be curious, ask questions, try new things. I had a really busy schedule when I signed up for this course, but I actually found out that thinking through these principles, applying the concepts, and engaging with students really helped me manage my time better and gave me confidence in the decisions that I made.
1: Navigate is designed to help them have a set of tools, a set of principles and models that they can use to think through that in an organized fashion and in a way that helps them to make better choices and that ultimately leads them to make wiser decisions about the big things that they have to decide in life.
0: Thank you guys for listening to that, or if you're a podcast listener like me, and when advertisements come on, you start hitting that 30-second skip button until it goes back to a normal podcast. Welcome back from your skipping. We're now ready to get into the lecture from Jonathan. I hope you guys enjoy. It
1: is a Sabbath day. It is a Sunday. It is a time for worship and reflection, and that is timed well for our Program because today is the day we talk about relationships. Now, you just heard Paul talk to you about relationships, and it's worth noting that anything said past that is really perspective on those principles, right? Paul is laying down truth with a capital T about how we are to treat one another and the importance of relationships and a guide to how we handle relationships. Everything you hear today in the sessions will be merely perspective on those principles and that truth. Today is the most important session. Today is the, the, the set of themes and information that should lock in everything that we all, else that we talked about, and more importantly, put everything else that we talked about in the proper context. And getting it in the proper context is perhaps the most essential piece of what I want you to leave Basecamp knowing. I've highlighted each time, there's one thing, if you walked away with this, this would be pretty good. If you walked away with this, it's pretty good. But ultimately, if you talk about all three days and everything we've done, if you remember the context that we're about to talk about, this is going to be an essential piece. Now, you know, we just went through a short, a small, a simple <coughs> worship service. And that worship service encapsulated a lot of what we're talking about, right? What was our purpose and what is our purpose? It's to love the Lord our God with our all of our heart, mind, and soul. and Our neighbor is ourself. And so our purpose was to come together and to worship God. Well, what was the task that was before us? Well, to worship, but also to recognize that this is a day that we should have a Sabbath and that regularly we should have a day of rest to be able to focus on God. In other words, rest is a task that God gives us so that we may focus on Him. And worship is a task that is given, it is an action we have to take. Uh, There's a time given to do this. We are asked to take a regular Sabbath. Most of us take those Sabbaths on Sunday, and of course there can be some adjustments for that, but God does tell us to take a regular Sabbath. He assigns time to that, tells us to take specific time. But then ultimately, this is all about a relationship it's about our relationship with our creator and our relationship with our savior and his relationship with us and it's in that kind of context that we start with our big time purpose stuff now look this is the most important point of this session which i think is the most important point of what we're doing here at base camp time and tasks time management task management Completing time, completing tasks, and using time wisely only makes sense. Only makes sense in the context of relationships. This is not a prevalent cultural theme in our world. But it is the essential piece that I want you to know so that you can function effectively and best in your local community and your local church. Yes, we want you to manage your time well. Yes, you need to be able to effectively do the right tasks and accomplish the things that you are given to do. But all of that work, all of that organization, all of that stuff only makes sense in the context of relationships. If you manage your time like a time ninja and you use every second to its fullest degree, but you forget why you are managing time, which is to maximize your your relationships, it's all for naught. If you can be an absolute productivity master and you can get more done than any other 100 people put together, and you accomplish all kinds of things, and you have all kinds of success in getting things done, but you forget that the only reason you get things done in the first place is to impact relationships. It's all for naught, right? It doesn't make any everlasting difference. And we are people who are focused on making an everlasting difference. I think it's always worth backing up and asking, what are relationships for? If you have ever listened to John Stone Street in the Breakpoint podcast, he uses uh, this example and some others ad nauseum, but he uses this example a lot, and it's because it's so powerful. He says, you know, if you're standing in the kitchen doing something, and your young son comes up before, behind you and says, Daddy, can I kill this? He said, it's essential that you ask a really pertinent question, which is, What is it, right? Because if it's a bug crawling across the kitchen floor, the answer is yes. And if it's his smaller brother, the answer is let's talk, right? Okay, you have to make that distinction. And in order to make that distinction, there's another bigger question to say, what is it for, right? What is it? You have to know what something is for before you know how to properly handle it, to properly deal with it. And so it's always worth stepping back and saying, what are relationships for? So let me ask you, what do you think relationships are for? Somebody answer. To lead people to Christ. To lead people to Christ. Excellent answer. Also the Jesus answer, which always makes everybody else say, okay, now we can't answer because the Jesus (laughs) answer is already taken and everything else sounds less holy. So correct answer. Thank you, Peyton. But do not be intimidated. We can add to the stuff that Peyton's talking about. Yes. Like, have a better experience on earth. Yes, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> to have a better experience on earth. Right. I think that's a fantastic point, Molly. Um, that is. It's
0: the
1: perfect medium for service. Yes, it's a medium for service, ultimately, that can lead people to Christ and make it a better place to live here. Yes, the time. Very good. We should probably stop there with the triangle. So, anybody else want to add to that? Not now. <laughs> so, go ahead, Abe. Um, just
0: edifying brothers and sisters with Bible
1: Yes, uh, to, to sharpen one another, to be able to correct one another, to guide one another, and to help each other find the right perspective and better understand. Oh, those are fantastic answers. Maybe I should just stop for the rest of my presentation. So there's this quote by C.S. Lewis that has become uh, almost a mantra and a theme for me. And I'm sure you've heard it, uh, but let me introduce it to you again or, or to refresh it if you've heard it before. Uh, you have never met a mere mortal. C.S. Lewis says, and let me read you the full quote. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. It is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play. But our merriment must be of the kind, of that kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. You have never talked, that's the end of the quote, I'm repeating, you have never talked to a mere mortal. It is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. There is perhaps no greater pitfall than to get too familiar with the fact that you are always in contact with immortal souls. We talked about the danger of you know time is so common that we don't value it. Uh, biblical stories are so repeated that we forget their power. People are ever present in our lives. Do you have any of you spent a day, a twenty-four hour period, where you have never seen another person? But how many times have you done that? Less than a dozen, more than a dozen? 100 days. 100 days out of a life of 365 times whatever, right? Contact with immortals is the substance of our lives. But it is so easy for us to forget that it is immortals whom we are in contact with i this phrase the imago dei made in the image of god to me encapsulates what c.s lewis is saying here everyone you meet is made in the image of god i'm gonna take a little digression from where my notes were originally and i'm gonna soapbox a little bit so forgive me right Uh, considering our current context and i want to share with you two things One is kind of a setup for the more relevant piece that I want to talk about. And I want to kind of illustrate this Imago Day idea for you. And it requires you to hear a little bit about my background. And in most crowds, I would get blank looks from this next story. I think some of you have a little more contact with this culture than than most. And so this might make a little more sense, but I grew up and basically live in a gun culture, right? Mm -hmm. I've grown up with firearms all my life Everybody almost I know shoots and as concealed carry became more and more prevalent through the end of the 90s and early 2000s, um, almost everybody I know and almost everybody in my immediate family is a concealed carry permit holder and practices that regularly. You may or may not be able to relate to that, but it's relevant for the story, right? So this is normal for me. This is kind of the way things work. It may be completely abnormal for you and I'm not making any arguments of whether it's good or bad. I'm just telling you that's the context of my life and, and the culture that I'm familiar with, right? So, when I became old enough, I also got my concealed carry permit. And since it was sort of the thing to do, just like other people do certain things because their family does those things, I also you know went through the training and did all this stuff and carried. And I noticed something instantly. And it gave me insight into why concealed carry is so popular. When you have a piece of lethal iron digging into your hip regularly, it reminds you you have a piece of lethal iron digging into your hip regularly. And you take that very seriously. And you start to sort of evaluate everybody in the context of whether you need to use that piece of lethal iron on your hip. And there's all kinds of stuff that goes with this in training. And Jeff Cooper's the one that popularized condition yellow, condition white, condition red, and all that stuff. And so there's these conditions, these mental conditions you think in. And, and one condition is like everything's safe and it's fine. And the next is the condition you stay in most of the time, which is why you're always evaluating for threats. And then you go to a higher condition when you think a threat is imminent. And then there's a point where you have to respond to that threat, okay? This makes... Walking down the street, tremendously more exciting. <laughs> Even though it's the same street and it has the same threat level as always had before you had a concealed carry permit and before you carried, right? But now there's at least a possibility that condition yellow is gonna go to condition red. And so you're always kind of paying attention and it gives a zing to life that is not necessarily terrible, right? But is an altered perspective on the same situation that you were in before. And I noticed that all of a sudden, I was evaluating my fellow citizens as threat levels. And I had to sit back and think about that and think, is that actually the way I want to proceed through life, right? And I decided that no, I didn't think it actually was. There are times and places for that. And there are situations where that's extraordinarily important. But my life doesn't look like that. I rarely operate in high threat level places. The crime rate where I live is crazy low and I actually did some research and I actually have more danger of being struck by lightning five times in a row than I have of getting into a shooting altercation in the places where I hang out and I don't typically walk around ducking ozone right okay and so I started thinking about this say, well what is it that I want to sort of do here and I said well I really want to I want to see people as as, as imago Dei made in the image of God and somewhere, and now it's lost in the midst of my brain, but at some point I read something, I think it was about a monk, but I'm not sure. And he had this commitment that every time he made eye contact with somebody, he would say a micro prayer for them. And it got to the point that he literally could walk through a crowd of people and say thousands of prayers, like fast prayers for people. And when that happened, he said his life completely transformed. There's like this electricity in the air and all signs of crazy, wild things started happening to him. People would walk by and stop and come back and confess sins to him or tell him they were on their way to commit suicide or ask for his advice. And it just everything changed, Right. And so I wasn't able to reach that level of monkish awesomeness spiritually, right? But I started thinking about seeing everybody and saying, made in the image of God, made in the image of God. And when I'm in Walmart, this is challenging, right? Made in the image of God. Dear Lord, have mercy, made in the image of God, right? And, so, and, and, and it changed substantially. I, I don't remember the last time I had a really bad altercation with a checkout person, this doesn't apply as much to the DMV. I have to work much harder at that, right? Uh, but, and TSA is still also a challenge for me, right? But literally, when you stand there going, I'd love to throw you through the wall, made in the image of God, where does discipline, you know, God wrestled with Jacob. If I threw him through the wall, it's an act of love, made in the image of God, right? I mean, like, so it changes that stuff. Now, we can get into some other stuff, right? There is a naivety that can be dangerous in that. And so as I've matured, Here's how it goes sometimes. Made in the image of God, made in the image of God, made in the image of God and quite possibly inhabited by a demon right now. Keep an eye on that one, right? That's important. Evil exists. don't, Don't take this the wrong way, that everything's flowers and sunshines and rainbows, right? There are times made in the image of God and desperately twisted. But for the grace of God, go I. Also, treat differently, right? Treat cautiously. Make sure love is, remember that love isn't always nice. Love sometimes requires steel as well. I share that with you because that idea of everybody, the Imago Dei, everybody, no matter who they are, being made in the image of God is essential. And now my soapbox, I'm pleading with you to not forget that and to as creatively, as intelligently and as ably as you as Unbound students possibly can, would you please, I'm desperately asking and begging, would you please live that out in your life? Because there is nothing we need more right now. I have been, too strong a word, traumatized perhaps, in a way that I never have been in the political turmoil in the last five weeks of my life. For the first time ever in my life, I have seen friendships crumble because of political stuff. And I do not consider myself to be a political person, and I do not talk about politics hardly at all. I never post about it on social media. I have opinions and I try to stay educated, but it's not something that typically enters into my everyday conversations. I have a large amount of friends who are extremely to my left and vote for people that I never would vote for that I get along with fine. Recently, the broken relationships have all been to the right because I'm not pure enough in some fashion. And it's based on this idea that I think people have forgotten that no matter where you are politically, you still carry the Imago day. I'm gonna pick on Peyton for a second. Peyton works in politics In the middle of politics. And I've talked to Peyton many times over the years. And I've learned from here about politics. And one thing that's always struck me is that I know exactly how Peyton votes. (laughs) I know exactly what political side she is on. I have heard Peyton be frustrated, but I have never heard Peyton speak ill of anybody of a different political persuasion. Lord have mercy. There are people outside of politics who are not able to do that simple thing, let alone somebody who's... Livelihood often depends on the turn of an election and who has every right to be frustrated beyond belief when things go differently, right? And it just, if I could just drive home this point, this principle, you have never met a mere mortal. Everybody, no matter how deranged, carries the Imago Dei. You do not know how their story ultimately will play out. Redemption is always possible no matter what their situation. I think very, very carefully about how your impact on them, how it takes place in the context of that reality. Now let's go on to some principles here. The first is something that is not unfamiliar to us, but once again, maybe needs refreshed, which is ultimately our purpose is to serve. We are called to serve. And especially in a political atmosphere that we have right now, where we just remind ourselves, the Jews expected a conquering military Messiah. That's not what they got. And ever since we have been called to take the kingdom by service, not by conquest. Does that mean that we never stand up for our beliefs? Certainly not. Does that mean that we never have to take a stand? Absolutely not. Does that mean that love always means nice? No, emphatically no. But it does mean that we cannot get around this point that God said to love your neighbors yourself and love your enemies and serve them. And in doing so, and by being kind to them, you will heap burning coals in their head. In other words, that is our offensive weapon. It's not conquering in the political sense. It's service. It's love that are the weapons that are available to us. And in the context of some of the things that we've been talking about, when it comes to tasks, when it comes to managing time, when it comes to getting things done, when it comes to accomplishment, when it comes to driving forward your goals, when it comes to doing the things that you need to do, never, never, never miss this point, that it's who, not how, that is much, much, much more powerful, right? In fact, and Ben has been saying this to some extent when he's talked about delegating tasks, the first question you almost always should ask when you have a task is who, do I need to talk to, learn from, delegate to, team up with, seek advice from, relate to, in order to get this task done? So many times, especially people like you who are higher achievers in many, many ways, when something gets done, you say, let me roll up my sleeves and dive in and work really, 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 really hard and do that. That's very admirable. Don't lose that. But if you would just pause before you do that and say, and who can help me do that better? Who can give me advice? Who can help, who can, who can I give credit to? Who can I help bring into this so they also benefit from this? Who can I serve? Who can I help, right? If you can focus on the who before you focus on the how, the how will become tremendously much easier. And in Molly's kind of words, uh, it makes life a lot more fun to live, right? It's way more fun being completely stupid and having no idea what I'm doing building a new company with a really cool team of people around who are so much fun to be with, talk to, who help give advice, correct, and do those things, right? Can't even imagine trying to do that by myself. It's way more fun to go through life with a family that you love and care for and love and cares for you. It's way more fun to go through life with friends who you actually know would die for you and that you would die for them, unquestionably, right? Everything gets better if you start with the who rather than start with the how. So when you're tempted to just jump in and work hard, Always think first about the who. How does this relate to other people? How does this impact your relationships? How does that all fit together? And finally, as you finish out, let me give you, so as we come down from the high, the macro, into sort of the stuff that you can use, let me give you some quick guidelines and snapshots for how you can sort of evaluate where you are in relationships. And I I wanna sort of set this up this way. Remember, this is a model. I'm not telling you truth of the capital T. I'm I'm giving you a perspective to see some principles, some things that are always true, right? And and so use this only to the point that it's useful for you and reject it otherwise. But I have found that, you know, if you first think, okay, well, you just assume friendships happen. It's just like the air that you breathe, right? And for most of my life, I was like, yeah, I I have friends and um, generally keep them. You know, I mean like, so why would I need to know anything about that? Like I've always generally had friends and always generally, with a few exceptions here and there, you know, managed to keep them. And so what what is there to learn, right? And yet, just like everything else, there are rules, there are things, there are principles that are true for all those things. And if you start to see those and recognize those and understand what they are, all of a sudden you're playing the game that nobody else is playing, right? You're understanding things at a deeper level. I say things like in sales, right? Everybody thinks the sale is like, hey, I got a widget. The widget does this, this, and this, and uh, this is cool. You need something, a widget does this, this, and this, right? And they think it's all about features. And, And actually, nobody buys things, almost nothing, because they need it practically. They buy things because it hits an emotional foundation in them. At some emotional level, they want whatever it is. And then the 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 features, that's the practical stuff that makes them justify their purchase, right? People work the same way. The things that go on, they they work at a, an emotional foundation. They have something that's underneath, and it just exhibits itself in the kinds of pieces of friendship that you were used to dealing with. And if you're always dealing with that surface level of friendship, like I get along, she's friendly, she's nice, I get along with her fine. It's like that yeah, she's really mad at me. I have no idea what happened. I mean, like you know, if if you don't, and you're like, well, she's just a jerk, and so like you walk away from it, right? And You know, yeah. I mean, I was close to this guy, I was talking stuff like that, and then all of a sudden, well, you know, it's just never kind sort of sort drifted away. I don't know what happened. I mean, I don't know. He just kind of you know, just cared about something else. Dated that girl. I mean, like what is that? Like. That's, and you never really think what what actually happened there. Now, hear me carefully. I don't think every friendship stays, at this, I think friendships can be permanent, but I don't think they stay at the same permanent level, right? I think they ebb and flow as your life ebbs and flows, and and that sometimes those things are really close, and sometimes you drift apart because of circumstances, and then you get close again, and then I think, because you've never met a mere mortal, you get to then celebrate all those experiences you had together in heaven forever, right? So I do think friendships are literally forever but they ebb and flow in this life. But if you understand the pieces, the elements of what makes up a relationship, then all of a sudden you can play the game at a whole different level. And when I say play the game, I mean you can serve better, you can love better, you can see the Imago day better, right? So let's go through this. I use a little mnemonic to help me so remember this called the very core. And it stands for trust, values, and commitment. And what I would suggest to you is that every relationship, even a casual relationship, your relationship with your waiter or waitress at a restaurant, at some level involves all three of these pieces, trust, values, and commitment. And in fact, trust, value, you can express this as a formula, trust, value, and commitment over time and experiences equals great relationships. The more time, that you spend with somebody, excuse me, the more trust you have with somebody, excuse me, the more you trust somebody, the more you share the same values and the more you demonstrate commitment to one another. And when you have those elements and they're exhibited over time and the more those things are revealed through experiences that you have together, the deeper that relationship is. Now, back to our waitress thing, right? You know, you go to a restaurant, the waiter comes up to you, you have to trust he won't spit in your soup. Okay, he has to trust that you won't stiff him with the check. Okay, so there's a trust that's already there. Value, right? You have to have the same values in terms of the level of food and the cost that's being paid for it, right? You have to have the same values that Italian food should be made this way and should taste this much and I'm expected to get this for what I pay, right? You have to share those values about food. And then commitment. He commits to serve you well. You commit to pay him at the end and give him a tip, right? And then the more time you spend with that waiter... And the more experience you have through the various courses, you know, he comes in, serves the appetizer, brings your drinks, refills, in my case, your unsweetened iced tea whenever you need it, right? Instead of having to wait for it. And the more time and then the dessert course, right? The deeper your relationship comes. When you came in, you didn't know Sam from anybody. When you leave, you know a little bit about him, right? You know, he's a good waiter. He's a bad waiter, you know, depending on how... Talkative is, you might know a little bit about his background and what's going on, who he's dating, right? And if you come back to the, to the same place time and time and time again, you know better and better and better. Um, I have two guys that I meet with. We used to meet at Cracker Barrel before the pandemic closed, Cracker Barrel, early in the morning. And we had a waitress named Emily. And when Emily first came out and served us, we didn't know her name. We didn't know anything about her. She just did a good job, right? But we came back every other Tuesday morning for years. And pretty soon we knew about Emily, we knew that she was engaged, we knew when she got married, we gave her $50 tips the day she got, you know, before she left for her honeymoon, Uh, we knew what her husband did, we knew that they were in ministry in Campus Crusade for Christ, we knew that when she changed shifts, that it ruined Cracker Barrel forever. (laughs) And when the pandemic came along, we were happy to switch to truck stop because we didn't like the new wages, we don't even know what her name is, right? Okay, and so over time and experiences with Emily, our relationship with her deepened. And that's true no matter whether you have casual relationship with somebody who's serving you in a restaurant setting or the kind of people that you have in this room. But you can go deeper than this transparency. The more transparency, the more trust. We have a quick example of that, right? Last night, you got a bunch of transparency in everybody in this room. Do you trust them more today? You understand them better, right? You know where they're coming from because you know something about them, because they gave a little bit of vulnerability. They told you something that they weren't good at. That's a, that's, that's a bit of transparency that not everybody is willing to share. And consequently, you trust who they are and where they came from in a different way. Commitment is expressed through communication. The more you communicate with somebody and the better you communicate with somebody, the more you, they understand that you have deepened their commitment to them, right? The more you understand and are understood, the more you have commitment to that person. right now, who are the people that you are closest to? I bet it's the people you communicate with the most often. And then values are increased through shared vision, right? If you were trying to go the same place as somebody else, then more and more and more and more of your values are, are shared. You know, values can be surface and they can be deep. We had a baseball discussion last night. And so Wayne can go to any state in the union and if he finds somebody who's a Dodgers fan, it doesn't matter who they vote for, it doesn't matter what they do, it doesn't matter. So he has some level of commitment of value that all of a sudden has they share value and they have a relationship built there, right? Now. How deep that relationship goes depends on a lot of other things, right? But they already have some shared values that they think that the Dodgers are unquestionably the best baseball team ever. And if they're not, it's because other teams did something wrong to beat them, right? (laughs) Or whatever it is, right? You know, even, and sports does this all the time, right? You have people that have nothing in common, that all of a sudden have everything in common because they're cheering for the same ball team. And so you have the same vision. You want the Super Bowl, you want the World Series, you want whatever, right? And you share some values that go along with that. But then of course, that's surface level stuff and then it gets deeper and deeper. Why is it that unbound events breed such deep relationships? Well, at least at some level. It's because we have a shared set of vision that is unusual and that vision expresses itself in values that most of us share together and then that deepens our relationships together. Particularly when you take all of those things and you spend time at some retreat center at a camp that has a lion in a cage in the middle of Florida, right? Or the top end of Florida. And you have experiences together. Dragging a canoe over, walking a canoe more than you float a canoe, you know? Listen to a lion roar in the darkness. Having Titus teach you a new complicated game. <laughs> uh, putting your mask on and graduating from okay to thumbs up. You know, that's a definite... <laughs> Definite increase in our status this morning. I don't know what will be tomorrow, but I'm excited to see how far we've progressed since we've been in the, right? You have those experiences together. Some of us share stories. And if you're, if you're not careful, they become inside stories that look like they're clicks, right? But at some level, when you share those inside stories, what do you say? You're saying, we have, we have shared experiences together. We're reminding ourselves of our shared experiences together. We're reminding ourselves of the time that we've spent together. And now, now all of us in this room, when we see each other at Capstone, we see each other at Apex, we will have shared experiences. We know, when I joke about a lion in a cage, you'll know what I'm talking about. When I say that I'm so glad you're okay, thumbs up, you know, like at Apex, and everybody's like, what the heck is wrong with that guy? You're gonna like, there's a lot wrong with that guy, but I understand what he's talking about, right? So, in other words, we have shared experiences, we have time together, and that deepens our relationships. Again, if you and take these out of order slightly, Tasks and time serve relationships. And if you get nothing else out of this session, if you get nothing else out of Basecamp, put all of your time management and task management, your productivity, your work stuff, your how you manage your day, your schedule, all that kind of stuff, put it all in the context of relationships. Don't forget there's a hierarchy to relationships. Your most important relationship is your relationship with one who made you and the one who saved you, right? And so that is the context, that is the high purpose that makes everything else work. And if that gets out of step, if that gets messed up, if you have trust issues there or vision issues there or commitment and communication issues there, everything else is broken. Fix that first, right? And then understand that it comes down from there, right? There are people that will be close to you and those people might adjust and shift a little bit in time. Almost always, that's family first, right? Those are the people you spend the most time and have the most experiences with. That's why family winds up being so close. But even family, Right? Uh, you grow up with your parents and all that kind of stuff. It's not that those relationships get worse or that there's less trust and all those kinds of things, but you know, time may decrease and experiences may decrease for a time as you move into different areas of your life and stuff like that. But also know that you have all this time and experience invested. And so that still sits there, right? So, so remember that there's that kind of hierarchy and remember to kind of keep those in context, but always keep tasks and time in context with relationships. The relationships are the reason that you do the tasks that you do, and the quality of your relationships and being a witness to the love of Jesus Christ is the purpose of you using your time. That's what you're here for, that after you're here for the building your relationship with Christ, right? I said that somewhat awkwardly, so let me rephrase it a little bit. You are given time first to be able to build a relationship with Christ, right? And then through that relationship to share that love with other people. That's what your time is for. And your task should all be ordered around that to some extent. Um, n- never forget that you've never met a mere mortal. That everybody you see has the Imago Day. Doesn't matter how they vote. Doesn't matter how deranged they are. Doesn't matter how demented they are. More deranged and demented and infused with evil they are. You have to treat that differently and wisely, but they're not beyond redemption. That's God's job, not yours. They still are made in the image of God. Who, not how. You're called to serve. And if you're looking for a quick framework to help you sort of make sense of this, not the final answer, but some prism to look through that can kind of give you some context. Remember the very core. Time, trust, excuse me, trust, values, and commitment over time and experience equals Great relationships. Now, we started this session with worshiping, paying attention to our most important relationship. We heard scripture, which I reminded you is is the principles, is the truth. Everything else that we're talking about is then perspective on that. So let's finish this with a word of prayer as we remember what the day is and what we are ultimately here for. Lord, you have blessed us with, first of all, the relationship with you as our creator, as the one who has made us, And put your image in us, a breathtaking reality that we don't fully grasp. Then, Lord, you not only made us, but you redeemed us. Through Christ, we can bow our heads now, stand in your presence in the very throne room of heaven, and be assured that you are hearing our prayer. Also a breathtaking reality that certainly I do not fully grasp. And then you've further blessed us, Lord, with the relationships in this room, with shared vision and values with commitment and communication, with trust and transparency, time together and an experience here in Florida that has built and deepened relationships. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. As we go forward, Lord, please send your spirit to guide us, to lead us and to help us, that we may always keep these things in mind, that we may not forget, that we may see the image of God the Imago Day and everybody that we meet, that we remember the breathtaking reality, Lord, that we are not mere mortals, nor do we ever have contact with any who are mere mortal. That, Lord, we are in pursuit of an everlasting splendor to avoid an immortal horror. Through your grace alone. Amen. There you have it, folks.
0: A lot of great reminders in there about how we're all creating the image of God, how we're supposed to serve one another, and how we're supposed to steward relationships. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. As always, you can email podcast at beunbound.us with ideas. Um, these could be topics, these could be guests, these could be requests, these could be emails that say, Ben, we would like to hear less of you and more of literally anybody else. That's an acceptable email to come into my inbox. You can email that at podcast at beunbound.us. And last but not least, of course, visit beunbound.us slash navigate to learn more about the Navigate course and to sign up for that free four-part video series that I was talking about earlier. That's beunbound.us slash navigate. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next week.